and, and I hope people listening also had, had a feel for that, that the power of pausing and being strategic and intentional about your next move is incredibly powerful. And it allows you to do the things or get the things done that you want to get done as opposed to do what you've always done in the past is by definition going to get you the results that you've always gotten. And by the way, if those results are the results you want to continue getting in the future, keep doing it. But if you want something different, then you got to pause and you got to be strategic and intentional about the outcome you want to achieve and what can you do in that moment that will get you. What is going on, everybody? Ryan Palagiri here. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm reading a book condensing it down to its golden nuggets, bringing the author on the show, having a conversation with them about the golden nuggets, and I'm here each and every single week bringing you that information and just trying to save you a little bit of time. If you haven't rated or reviewed the show yet, then please go online, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever platform you're listening on, rate and review the show. Once you do that, send me an email with the screen capture of your rating, of your review, so I know that you did it. And then what I'll do is I'll enter you into a draw to win a prize every single quarter. Last quarter, we gave away a MacBook Air. And uh, this quarter, I haven't figured out what we're giving away yet. I'll figure that out shortly, and I'll let you know. But uh, get your rating in, get your review in. And if you've already done it, thank you so much. You're already entered into the draw for this quarter. So enter once, you're in forever. You know how it goes. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media. You'll most likely find me on LinkedIn and Instagram the most. Yes, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I'm not as active on those, but if you want to follow me, get on LinkedIn, get on Instagram. Definitely follow me there because you'll see more updates from me throughout the day, throughout the week there that you know I'm just not going to share on the podcast. But you'll see updates from me in terms of what I'm doing prospecting-wise, what I'm doing branding, marketing-wise, what I'm doing even in the gym for crying out loud. If you want to follow me along, see what I'm doing, see what this crazy guy's up to all week, then definitely get online, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, follow me on there as well. All right, so this week, what do we have going on? So again, before we get to the end of January, I want to focus on another book that will really help you focus your time, focus where you're putting it, and help you truly make the most of 2018. So I brought on Peter Bregman. He's the author of 18 Minutes. Find your focus, master distraction, and get the right things done. 18 Minutes. It's a great book. I love this episode. Peter was a great interview, such great energy and great takeaways for us to keep in mind as we begin to build our lives, as we begin to turn it around, as we want to add an extra layer and we want to maybe take things to another level. Wherever you're at in your life, there's definitely a takeaway from this podcast that you might want to put into practice for yourself. There is one thing I do want to say, though, is that you know if you're listening to me every single week, I really hope that you're taking something away from this podcast, at least one nugget every single year that you can put into practice to make your life a little bit better, make your career better, your relationships better, whatever it is. I just hope that you're not listening passively and that you're interested in it and that that's all that happens with it. Because to me, that's not success. It's not why I'm doing this. I know there's a lot of you out there who do take what I'm bringing you and you're using some of it. And of course, I don't expect you to use all of it. You might listen to 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 episodes and not find anything. But on that 16th episode, you might find something that you like to put in practice. Please, when you're listening to the show, do me a favor, do yourself a favor. And if there's something there that talks to you that you're thinking, you know what, this might play a role in my life and this might help me get to that next step or this might help me in a certain area, then please do yourself a favor, take it, embrace it, and use it. That's why I'm doing this show. But without further ado, let's crack right into this one. Again, 18 minutes. It's a book about helping you find your focus, master distraction, and get the right things done. A lot of great takeaways in here. So take it all in, enjoy the interview, and I'll catch you back here at the very end of the episode. Enjoy. Peter, how you doing, my friend? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Peter. And uh, your topic, I think, is a timely one. Obviously, being in January right now, people are coming up with new strategies, new approaches, new initiatives, things they want to do. And I think your book will definitely help a lot of these people as they're making their way through the year and they're choosing what projects they want to work on and they want to get them to done. So I think it's great timing for you to be on the show right now. I'm delighted to be here. And it's, uh, it's good for me, too, because I 
revitalize the ideas in the book for myself and everything I write about is stuff I need to work on. So it's uh, it's an opportunity for me to get back to the new year, new you also. Absolutely. Completely agree. Well, before we kick into it and we start talking about 18 minutes, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I, uh, I run a consulting company called Bregman Partners and really our focus is on strategy execution. So it's on the gap between I have an idea and I get it done. And ultimately, that's the challenge that most organizations face, which is, you know, they have a strategy and, you know, a year later, they haven't moved forward in the way that they want to move forward. So we're, we're not the experts in designing the strategy. We're not McKinsey. We don't figure out exactly where you should be in the marketplace. But once you have some clarity about where you're going, I think we're the best at helping you close that gap. And we do it through consulting and we do it through coaching and we have a process called the Big Arrow which is helping you identify what is the most important thing given your strategy, the most important thing to achieve over the next 12 months. And then we identify the key contributors and then we coach all of them and collect data about what's getting in their way in the process of the coaching and we resolve those issues. So that's the, that's the company that I run and that's the focus of the sort of large scale organizational change strategy execution work that we do. Uh, and you know, the 18 minutes, which is what we're talking about is very much a personal, uh, representation, a reflection of that, right? Which is, you know, you've got ideas, things you want to get done. You want to actually get there. How do you get there? And, and I think, you know, when you look at my whole career, which has been a combination of consulting and coaching and understanding, you know, I think most consulting firms leave people behind and most coaching leaves the organization behind. And I'm, I've really uh, been very interested and engaged in bringing both together so that the organization, the individuals and the organization, the, the collective group work really effectively together to achieve sort of massive traction on what's most important to them. Yeah, I always find it interesting how people will do things in business, like develop strategy and they'll have all the different types of tools and, and methodologies and frameworks, and yet they don't apply that to their own life. So it's interesting that I hear about what you do for a living and then I read this book and I'm like, well, now I kind of see where maybe some of this stimulus is coming from. You know, there's a little bit of stuff that you do in the workplace that also applies to our our our, our, um, our personal lives. And I always believe that it's uh, one of those phrases that one of my, my mentors told me years and years and years ago. He said, Ryan, you have to be the project manager of your life. You have to be the CEO of your life. You are your own company and you have to run your company accordingly. And I never forgot about that because it gives me this sense of accountability. And it's like, you know what? You're right. A lot of the times in life, we sometimes just go on autopilot and we don't think strategically about, hey, what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing next year? And we don't really think about that at all. And I, this, this is one of the reasons why I really loved your book because it really falls in line with that philosophy. So why don't we kick this off right now and start getting into it? And one of the first areas I want to really focus on is that this difficulty today with concentrating. You know, there's so many different distractions and it's making getting things done even tougher. So you suggest that we start everything off by taking a moment to pause and focus on the best course of action. Can you elaborate on that and tell us what you mean? Yeah, I um, and it's interesting what you were just saying about organization to individual because it, you actually gave me an insight, which I appreciate. I always <laughs> love these interviews so that I, I learn things. And I think the work that we do organizationally is the work that I do in companies. All of the books that I write are for individuals, right? They're all about, you know, how do you show up in your organization or in your life or in your family? Mm-hmm. And, and the, 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 the question that you've asked and the book that we're talking about is 18 minutes. I wrote another book called Four Seconds, which is mm-hmm. how to replace counterproductive habits with ones that really work. And it's very related to the question that you've just asked, which is this pause. And we almost always act out of gut reaction, right? Here, let's just do an experiment. We'll do it, you and me. Sure. And everybody can do it, right? Everybody who's listening, do this with us. Say, I'm going to ask you to say a word 10 times, right? If you're listening to this podcast and you're in your car, say it out loud. If you're in the middle of a group of people... Say it out loud anyway. It'll build your emotional courage. Okay. But say this word 10 times, and then I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to answer that question immediately without thinking. Oh, God. Okay. okay. Let's Got go. It? Yeah. All right. The word is silk. Okay. Ready? Let's do it together. Silk. 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 
quick. What does a cow drink? Quick. Milk, milk. What does a cow drink? <laughs> Damn yeah. it. No, I, was gonna, I, so, I paused. I paused. <laughs> but it's okay because the pause didn't help, but you didn't pause long enough because the answer is cows drink water. Oh, fuck. my um, God. <laughs> cows drink water. But what that's okay. Don't worry because, because, you know, who, however many people are listening, 300,000 people, <laughs> most of them, I'm guessing, will have said, will have said milk also. And here's why. Because we build, we have habits, right? We, we tend to follow what we've been doing in the past, even if it hasn't been working. We tend to repeat ourselves. And in order to subvert that, right, you've got to pause long enough to be able to say, what is the outcome I'm going for here? What do I want to achieve? You're not just pausing to pause. You're saying, you're pausing to say, what is needed of me in this moment? And then you're making a strategic and intentional choice about how to move forward. So watch. We're going we're gonna to show improvement, I hope. Ryan, work Let's with me it. here. Let's do it. Say the word roast 10 times with me. Right. Ready? Roast. 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 Now, what do you put in a toaster? Take a deep breath. What do you put in a toaster? Bread. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Excellent. So, you know, you probably would have said toast yeah. had you not paused for a second. Yeah. And, and, and I hope people listening also had, had a feel for that, that the power of pausing and being strategic and intentional about your next move is incredibly powerful. And it allows you to do the things or get the things done that you want to get done as opposed to do what you've always done in the past is by definition going to get you the results that you've always gotten. And by the way, if those results are the results you want to continue getting in the future, keep doing it. But if you want something different, then you got to pause and you got to be strategic and intentional about the outcome you want to achieve and what can you do in that moment that will get you there. What a great demonstration of that, that golden nugget there, that point. I, I really love that, and I hope that people listening love that and enjoyed my, my, my milk. I, I'm like, I was going to say silk, but I said milk. Oh, I paused, though. But it's like, well, the answer is water, you dummy. That was pretty I promise was you, Ryan, I promise you you're not the only one. So don't <laughs> sure. feel bad. No shame here. This uh, is human nature. This is how we respond. This is how we act. That was awesome. So then let's stick on the pause, the pause element. So I like your example there, but now let's take it into the real world where – we just hit January. People are looking to, maybe some of them are looking to redesign their lives. Some people are maybe looking to optimize their lives just slightly. They have small improvements. Maybe some people have health-related goals, financial goals, relationship goals. How would you recommend somebody take a pause? What does a pause look like for somebody you know who's going through planning? So, you know, I'm going to use myself as an example because it's it's a it's a great question and. I uh, I have a book. I had a book that was due January 15th. So I just, it's my new book that's coming out. It's coming out in July, by the way, for anyone who's awesome. interested. It's, it's called Leading with Emotional Courage. We can talk about emotional courage later. Mm-hmm. But it's called Leading with Emotional Courage, how to have hard conversations, create accountability, and inspire action on your most important work. Right, And it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's kind of a good corollary to 18 minutes. Awesome. But I have this due. And so I've gotten, I, I've, I, you know, have been working nonstop on this deadline of creating the book. So I have slid into home base January 15th, a couple of days ago. And now I'm looking and it is so tempting to go to all of the emails that, by the way, have been piling up since I've been ignoring everything as I've been trying to work towards this deadline. And the, and it's so tempting to just go in the emails and there's a million fires to address and I run a company. I'm not just a writer and I, you know, have clients and I have employees and I have, you know, consultants that we work with and there's all of this work to get done. And it's so easy to jump in and just, you know, hit the ground running. And in, and, and what I felt as I was about to do that is this sense of lack of foundation. Like, wait a second, what's this year about for me? What do I like? Let me take a pause. And and maybe it's arbitrary because what's the difference between January 1st and December 31st? It, you know, it's a it's a sunrise and a sunset. But right. but it's actually, you know, it's a marker that we have in our in our society and in our cultures. It says it's a new year and you start, and you finish. Uh, and and so I feel I don't have my ground until I stop and I go, what is this year about? What do I care most about accomplishing? What will make this year successful? What are my top areas of focus? 
What do I want to make happen? You know, if you asked me what are the top three things I need to achieve for my organization, I want an answer for that. And it's not necessarily the same answers I had last year because I've achieved a lot of those things. Hmm. Right. And so so to pause and find your ground, it's the equivalent. You know, when you think about the silk milk, it's you know, we want our gut reactions to lead us towards the direction that we want to go. And sometimes you have to pause and think, what is that direction? And this is the time when you have to pause and think, what is that direction? So for me to sit down and go, okay, there's, there's, you know, three things I need to do as, as the leader of this organization. I need to make sure we, you know, double or triple the amount of sales that we have because we're going to really grow and scale. We're ready for it. I want to make sure that we're incredibly focused on the coaches who work for us and the, the support that we give them and making sure that everything that they do is incredibly high quality for our clients. And I want to make sure that we have systems that are scalable and that can grow along with us so that we can, you know, do three times as much as we did last year and, and have systems that can support that and support our growth continued. So now I know what my areas of focus are. I know I need to make those things happen. So now when I'm starting to look through my emails, I know which ones to focus on and which ones not to focus on. I know emails that I would have spent, you know, half an hour on uh, 10 minutes before I came to this area of focus. I'm just going to delete right. because they're not in my area of focus. They're a distraction. And unless we're clear on the outcomes that we're trying to achieve and what's most important to us to focus on for this year, then we will be bat around by, you know, the whims of whatever distractions other people have for us. And instead, I don't want to lose that control in my life. I don't want to lose that control as the leader of my company. So I want to have that kind of clarity and a bit of a pause at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year to go, hey, what's the next 12 months about? Mm-hmm. That pause is underrated. So many people don't take the time out because they're on autopilot. You know, in their personal lives, there's so many different things going on. Ryan, I don't have time. Peter, I don't have time. I mean, I got kids. I got hobbies. I got to drive them to school. I got work. I got to work out. It's just... I don't have time to do that. The importance of a pause, maybe it's something I've always taken for granted and, and maybe just something that I was lucky enough to have, but I just had good mentors who always told me, listen, before you know, you have these different landmarks, maybe it's your, your birthday, maybe it's the first of every month, maybe it's January 1st or December 31st, whatever it is, find one of those, you know, those temporal landmarks and put a plan together. But Put some, put some thought into it. Put some effort into it. And every single time before I actually developed the plan, I thought about the year that was. I think about the year that is coming up. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it, which is that pause time. And that works both personally and corporate-wise too. And I feel it's even more difficult um, from a corporate perspective. And especially for a lot of small, uh, maybe not medium-sized, but especially for small businesses, you know, under 50 people. You're always running. You're always running. And so it's very difficult to take time away to sit down, plan, pause. And as far as a takeaway is concerned, I think that is a great way to start off the podcast to remind people just to take a minute to pause. Think about the year that was, the year that is coming up, and what you want to accomplish. We're talking about two different pauses, too, which I think are important to to identify, which is one is the pause in the moment, right? And that's Mm. sort of what I talk about in four seconds, which is, you know, how do you subvert an unproductive reaction in the moment, right? And then the pause that we're also talking about now for, you know, in terms of 18 minutes and the beginning of the year is is a larger pause that you don't have to make, you know, every day. Hmm. But it says, do I know where I'm headed, right? That's That's like, do I know where I'm headed? Do I have a filter that I can use so that when people bring things to me or opportunities come up, I could say, that's a good opportunity, or you know what, I'm going to pass. Hmm. And if I have no North Star, if I have no clarity of what it is that I want to focus, then I don't, I don't know how to assess an opportunity. And I'm going to be sort of chasing shiny objects as opposed to going, hey, here's my strategy. I've got to execute on it. Those three things are a distraction. These two things over here, that's going to move me forward. Let's stay focused. Hmm. I love that. So you also suggest that when we're put in a situation where we're trying to figure out all that we, we have to do, that we need to ask ourselves what we want to accomplish in a day, a week, a year, or a lifetime. Now, why do you suggest that we do that? Now, it, to me, it makes sense, but um, can you maybe add a little bit more, um, uh, bring some more light to that point there? 
Yeah. So if here's the problem, like we've been talking about figuring out your focus for the year, Mm -hmm. but if you leave it at that, it's a new year's resolution and it's already, you know, mid January. I'm not entirely sure when this is airing, but whenever it is, I'm sure that many people who are listening have, have had, uh, New Year's resolutions that they've already maybe even forgotten what they were, but certainly haven't followed up on, right? Mm -hmm. Because if, if, you know, a New Year's resolution without a specific follow-through plan and structure is is like, you know, a a desire, a longing, a nice idea, Mm -hmm. but it's not a change in behavior. Mm. So in order to, you know, you need to figure it out. You need to decide what is it that I'm going to do differently? And then you need some way to follow through on it. Most people think they have a motivation problem. They don't. They have a follow through problem. Hmm. Everybody wants to lose weight. They're motivated to lose weight. They want to lose weight. They, you know, I mean, I'm not, this isn't a business example, but it's an example that, that a lot of people, you know, when you look at top New Year's resolutions, you know, losing weight, getting in shape, being fit, that's a big one. And everybody is super motivated to do that, right? So the issue isn't that they're not motivated. The issue is when the alarm goes off and they're tired and they want another half hour of sleep and then they decide they're not going to follow through on it. Hmm. Motivation is a thinking problem, right? Motivation is happens in your mind. Hmm. Motivation is, you know, I, do I really want this? Do I want to go for it? Am I psyched up about it? The way you get motivated is you listen to a podcast like this and you get engaged and you get excited and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm going to go for. Yeah. (laughs) Follow through is the opposite, right? Follow through. It doesn't happen in your mind. You have to shut your mind off to follow through. When your alarm goes off at five 30 in the morning and you, you know, you have already motivated and decided that you want to, you know, get up and meditate for 15 minutes and then go to the gym the thing you have to ignore in that moment is your mind, hmm. right? Is, is, is the, the conversation that's going on in your head, like, you know, meditation is to relax. Wouldn't it be more relaxing if you just slept a little longer? You know, you want to get fit, but sleep's really important too. Like maybe we should sleep, right? <laughs> and then the other part of you is, you know, the part of you that's lying in bed and going, yeah, that sounds right. And I'm going to have to sleep anyway. And it's a really good idea. So maybe we'll sleep. And if you want to follow through, you need a really great plan and you need a plan to follow through. And then you've got to stop questioning it and just move forward. So if I'm going to decide I'm going to wake up and I'm going to exercise, that's my motivation. I only needed to be motivated at the very, very beginning. After that, I need my socks and my shoes. I need an environment that predisposes me to do it. I need to make sure that my gym clothes are out and I know where I'm getting to the gym and the alarm goes out. Maybe I need to sleep in my gym clothes if that's what it's mm-hmm. going to do for me. And I need to make it easier to do what I want to do and less easy to do what I don't want to do. And, and then I just follow through it. So we need processes huh. for that. We need structures for that. So when people have a long to-do list with a thousand things on it or a hundred things on it, most of which are like six months old, it's not a to-do list, right? It's, it's a guilt list. It's a reminder of everything that we're not doing. It's a stress list. And instead, what you want to do is create a structure, a weekly structure, a day-to-day structure that predisposes you to follow through mm. on what you decided ahead of time you really want to do. And that's where I talk about my six box to do this. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So t- tell me a little bit about that, uh, that, that list that you're working with there. So for example, if you're trying to get something done, like let's just say it's a workout routine. And I, by the way, I really love that example because I think there's a lot of people who can relate to that example of you know, the New Year's resolution, I want to get fit, I want to get healthy, but you wake up, it's winter time, it's a little bit cold in some areas who are listening right now, it's a little bit cold, and, you know, it's just really tough to get up and get going, but you got to shut off that brain, you got to follow through, and I've never really looked at that at that before, and that was a good insight, a great takeaway for me, as I'm hoping it is for a lot of people listening right now, and that it's not a motivation problem, it's a follow-through problem, so what techniques can you help us in terms of, you know, uh, different strategies or different techniques you use to help you follow through or your clients follow through? Yeah. So I have a six box to do list. And, and the idea is I take a piece of paper and I break it up into six boxes and, you know, you could do one more box or one less box, Mm -hmm. but I identify at the beginning of the year, five areas of focus, right? These are the five areas that I most want to spend my time on for the year, right? This is where these aren't goals. Mm -hmm. 
necessarily, but they are, you know, like, I, like I already identified three of them, right? One of them is, is, you know, selling and, and really getting our work out there in the world. Mm-hmm. A second is developing an amazing team that's capable of delivering and that's, you know, that's engaged and passionate. And, and the third is uh, systems that work incredibly efficiently so that we can scale really powerfully and productively. Nice. Um, I, I'll tell you that a, a fourth of that, of my five boxes is my new book that's coming out, right? Which mm. is going to take a lot of energy and a lot of focus. And that's mm. an area of focus to really get it out there. And then for me, sometimes I do it where I have personal and, and organizational, but for me, my, my fifth box has to do with myself, my health, my fitness, my family. Like, am I, am I, you know, am I supporting the container that gets all of this stuff done, right? Those are my five boxes. That's where I want to spend 95% of my time. Mm. The sixth, and I literally draw a line in the middle of the page and then two lines across the page. So it's mm-hmm. like an extended tic-tac-toe board. Okay. Uh, so I've divided a page into six boxes. My sixth box is what I call the other 5%, right? The other 5% has to do with everything that you can't avoid that you have to do that doesn't fit into one of those six boxes you know, change the oil, like, mm. uh, um, you know, I don't know what else, buy running sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, when I first started keeping a six box to do list and the idea is everything you need to do needs to fit into one of those boxes. When I first started keeping a six box to do list, the first five boxes were virtually empty and the sixth box was two pages long. Interesting. Because wow. we would rather work on things hmm. that are easy and aren't identity issues. You know, if I don't get work done on my book, then, then you know, that represents uh, a real challenge. Like if my book is a failure, if my book – so I, 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 it's scary to do all of that work. Like it's scary sure. enough that I'd rather go buy, bunny, buy running sneakers and check off my oil, mm-hmm. right? I'll change my oil and check that off the list because those things are easy to check off the list. I know I could do it. I'll feel accomplished. But it's why so many of us finish an entire day having worked nonstop very, very hard mm-hmm. and yet not having achieved our most important work, wow. right? Because our most important work is scary yeah. and failure in it represents, you know, a, a, a deep issues of identity and value and and, and I, I don't know, it's a lot to do and it's challenging and we tend to get distracted and not go back to our most challenging work. And so I'd rather buy running sneakers. Yeah, no kidding. And, and so, so, I, so after a couple of days of keeping a six box to-do list, everything changed. Because I was like, I'm not moving forward in the things that are most important to me. So now about it today, I've got to look at my six boxes and I've got to say, what goes into the category of selling? What goes into the category of mm you know, taking care of the, the workers that we have, the staff, the brilliant coaches, the people who are going to be delivering everything. What goes into creating systems? What goes into taking care of myself? What goes into my book? That's a great and, tool. And by the way, it's not done there. It's not done yet. But that's a very, very important first step. And then you start to get rid of stuff that's in the other 5%. You want to spend 95% of your time focused on those five areas. Wow, is it, does this apply? And so obviously, this applies to um, people in their uh, their personal lives. Do you use this in some of your strategy coaching with companies as well? For sure. So, so if you're the if you're the CEO of an organization, you're going to have five boxes, and really, you're going to have this big arrow, right? Because we talk about the big arrow, mm-hmm. right? What is the most important thing? In fact, we keep it even more clear for the CEO and for the senior leadership team. What is the most important thing for you to achieve over the next twelve months? identify that and identify it in terms of the outcome you want to achieve and identify it in terms of the behaviors that you want to see organizationally. And once you've decided that, then you identify the key contributors who are the key people in your organization who can make it happen. Hmm. Everything these key contributors are doing should cascade from the big arrow, right? Hmm. So you want to make sure we've got this one area of focus. The reason you need one area versus five areas is when you're trying to collectively align a number of people, when you're trying to get everybody on the same page, five is too much. Hmm. You're going to get 20 people each working on their own five things. Nothing's going to move forward. So if you want to collectively move people forward, you have to be even more targeted and laser focused on what is most important for you to achieve. So when we're working with organizations, we say what is the most important thing to achieve, the big arrow, mm-hmm. and then who are the key contributors 
that can make this happen? And then what is for each one of those key, key contributors, what is the key contribution, right? Mm-hmm. That they're going to use in order to move forward in making this big arrow happen. And by the way, also we look at what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses that might either support or get in the way of their making their key contribution. So you mentioned something about strengths and weaknesses. So I think we've all heard the adage about you know leveraging our strengths, embracing our weaknesses, which you make mention of in 18 minutes. Why is this point so important for us to realize in our drive to get the right things done? Because we want to focus our energy where it will have the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. And if if I, you know, if I, for my work, I write and I speak and I consult and I coach and I train and I develop people, right? This is what I do. I'm out there and I have conversations like this one, hoping to impact as many people as I can impact. Mm-hmm. Because what I care deeply about is that we take our ideas, which I love. I love ideas. I love reading. I read, you know, 100 books a year. And I, you know, I have my own podcast, right? You. And I'm interviewing people all the time. And, and I love reading and I love learning ideas. But here's what I hate. I hate when we have great ideas that just sit there in our heads and don't actually get anywhere, don't change anything. Because ideas that don't change anything, I mean, I guess it's strong words. I don't hate that. But it frustrates me. It saddens me. It saddens me because I think we have such amazing potential in the world that I want to see us use it. And when you have an idea that you really fall in love with, I want to see you do something with it that makes it happen in the world. So I want us to direct our energy in a way that's going to have the greatest impact that takes our ideas and materializes them in a world in the, in the way in which we appreciate, in, way, in which we care about, and which, you know, kind of makes us happy and lives out our passions. So if I'm going to spend all of my time trying to get better at my weakness, and by the way, I do think we have to get better at our weaknesses. That's why I don't say improve your weakness. I say mitigate the negative consequence of your mm. weakness. Right? That's what's important. Your weakness is getting in the way. The reason we have a weakness, we call it a game changer, right? It is here's this key contribution you're trying to make in the world, right? For organizations, we call it key contribution. As an individual, it's like here's what's most important for you to achieve over the next 12 months. For yourself, you all have Aaron. And if, if what's most important is to achieve this thing, your strength is what's going to help you get there. The weakness is what's going to get in the way. Mm. So let's say for me, I've told you all the things I want to do, right? I want to, I want to inspire people. I want to you know, write really great stuff. I want to do amazing work in organizations. And let's say my weakness is detail orientation. Let's say I think big mm. and I love big ideas and I love executing and making them happen, but I don't always dot the I's and cross the T's. So now I could spend a lot of energy and time getting better at detail orientation. Mm-hmm. I could do memory programs. I could, and arguably it would be a great idea. It would make mm. me a well-rounded person. Sure. But here's the reality. Would my impact on the world be more profound if I have 10 days of development, if I spent those 10 days becoming a better writer, a better speaker, mm. a better leader, a better uh, kind of nurturer of our top talent? Like, would it be better to do that or would it be better getting me really, really good at spreadsheets? Hmm. And I still need to deal with the negative consequence of my lack of detail orientation. But that doesn't mean I have to do it by becoming great at something I'm not good at. What it means is I have to find some other way around it. I have to hire somebody who could do it. I can have, you know, create a system that doesn't require me to be so detail oriented. I can create systems around me that, um, you know, I can have an Apple watch mm. that alerts me 10 minutes before every single meeting. So I don't ever miss a meeting. I can, there's all these things I can do, these structures I can put in place that, that remediates the negative issue, right? That reduces the consequences mm. of my weakness without making me strong in that area. And that's what I want people focused on the stuff they love. Mm. Nobody loves working on a weakness. Everybody loves leveraging a strength. So leverage your strength, but mitigate the negative consequence. And that might be by delegating. It might be by sharing. It might be mm-hmm. by creating systems around you that don't require you to do that thing. But, but you know, you're better off doing that than, and, and then spend all of your development time becoming even better at the mm-hmm. thing you're so excellent at. 
It's a great reminder. And again, it's just that whole thought of doubling down on your strengths. And if you're doubling down on your strengths, you're talking more about or, or doing more things that you enjoy doing, things that you're more passionate about, chances are you're going to be more apt to want to jump right into that. And you're going to want to spend more time on it. You're going to progress faster rather than focusing on a lot of weaknesses. And I, I've always believed that too. And, and it was something I learned early on in the martial arts where I was really bad at, at doing certain moves. You know, when I would listen to, you know, my coach, my coach would say, listen, like focus on your strengths. You have a great submission here. You have a great kick here. You can do this really well. Focus on that and get really, really good at that. Why are you trying to get better at something that you're terrible at? And I would be in the gym working on it so many times. So many times it goes, your body just doesn't work that way. Get over it, Ryan. Focus on the things that make you great. Focus on the things that are going to help you win your fights. And there, that will help you succeed more. And he was absolutely right. And so, I and I took that lesson and really applied it to my life. And I think that you reminding us to double down on our strengths is a great reminder for, uh, again, for January as people are putting together their plans for the year and figuring out what they want to do. So tell us a little bit about this 18-minute ritual that you say we need to follow every single day. So we're, we're actually well set up for it. Uh, you've, you've been interviewing me incredibly well. Thank you. So like we're set up to answer that question. And, and, uh, and so the first, so it's 18 minutes a day. And the first, the first uh, step is five minutes in the morning. In five minutes, pull out your six box to-do list that you've all been, you know, you're all aware of now. Pull out your six box to-do list and look at and identify, um, first of all, what, what is most important for you to achieve over the next 12 months. And, and what are the items that are in there? So under every box, you have the items. You have your to-do items. Now, here's a clincher. Your to-do list is not a working document. Hmm. It's a intake document of everything that you need to do. And it's a filter that ensures that you're only focusing on what you most need to focus on. But there's still too much for you to do in a day. And how do you decide? And this is where the calendar comes in. Your calendar is your working document. Your calendar by definition is limited, right? By the number of hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And so you will not be able to get everything done. But if you try to just decide in the moment what you're gonna do, you're gonna have a very hard time uh, making the right strategic and intentional decision. So the first five minutes in the day, you look at your six box to-do list and you look at your calendar and you move the most critical things, you're strategic and thoughtful and intentional about what you're gonna accomplish today. And you literally give each of those things a time and a place, a when and a where. If you decide when and where you're going to do something, you're going to do it. If you don't decide when and where you're going to do it, you're most likely not going to do it. And there's a lot of research uh, that reinforces that. So the first five minutes in the day, look at your six boxes, decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. That's equally important, what you're not going to do, what you might even take off your calendar. Uh, in order to move forward in your five areas of focus, and you put those things in your calendar. That's step one. Step two, one minute every hour, right? That's eight minutes in a nine-hour day, right? One minute every hour. You set your watch to go off. You take a deep breath when your watch goes off, and you ask yourself two questions. Am I doing what I most need to be doing right now, and am I being who I most want to be right now? Wow. Those two questions are elemental to helping you stay on track. Now, by the way, sometimes you'll be off track. Oh, I guarantee many people listening will, you know, their watch will go off and they'll say, am I doing what I most need to be doing? And they started the hour by, you know, working on a proposal that they needed to work on. And when the watch goes off, they're watching a YouTube video of a kitten, <laughs> that's right? right? And, and it's like, that's just what happens. Like we get distracted. So these one minute reminders and you know, timers that go off bring us back to what we need to focus on. Sometimes, by the way, someone will have walked in your office and you're having a really intense and important conversation mm -hmm. and, and your watch goes off and you look at it and you go, you know, this isn't what I plan to do, but it's exactly what I need to be doing right now. But at least you're making a strategic and intentional and thoughtful choice in the moment mm -hmm. about whether what you're doing is serving you and whether you need to turn off YouTube or whether you need to keep working. So that's one minute every hour. And at the end of the day, you uh, take five minutes to wrap up. We don't wrap up. It's why we're checking our email all night. Hmm. You take five minutes to wrap up to say, is there anyone I need to thank? Is there anyone I need to update or to share feedback with? Right? We live in this collective that, you know, where we're all working in alignment together. We got to think of each other and say, like, do I need to wrap up anything or connect with people in any way? Give feedback to someone. Ask for feedback from someone. 
And then also their learning minutes. What worked today? What didn't work today? What do I want to do differently tomorrow? Maybe you want to set up your calendar a little bit for tomorrow or you can save it for the next morning. But, you know, five minutes at the end of the day to kind of wrap up and go, you know, this is what worked and this is what didn't work and here's what I want to do differently and I'm going to connect with the people. And, and maybe even a little gratitude, which mm. never hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you thankful for today? What worked? You know, like, what, what are you happy about? Absolutely. So that's the 18 minutes. Altogether, that takes 18 minutes in a day, five minutes in the morning, a minute each hour, and five minutes in the evening. And it's, you know, like I said, what we need is a structure for follow-through, and it's a structure for follow I, I love how you talk about it with such passion, and I really encourage people to take this and put this into practice because it incorporates so many different elements that we've talked about throughout the podcast, which is why I want to kind of leave it to last that we frame that one really nicely. But that to me is a great technique, something we can all put in place very easily. You could start it today. If you're listening on the subway or on the train or in the car ride home or in the car ride to the office, you can put this into place immediately. And it's very easy to do. And sometimes it's the simplest things that have the greatest impact. And this is one of those very simple techniques that Hopefully, hopefully you put into place and can drive some change in your life. So in the last point here, Peter, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this thing called distraction. So now we're all, you know, we, we know what we need to do. We have our daily ritual. But how the hell do we deal with all of the distractions? You suggest that we master our initiative, we master our boundaries, and we master ourselves. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, you know, we, we've, we've set up a system. So if you've done everything so far, right, you've identified your five areas of focus. And Ryan, to your point, wherever you are right now listening, can you answer that question? What are the most important three to five things you really need to focus on for this year? Hmm. And if you can't answer that question, then, then let that question simmer with you so that over the next week or so you can answer that question. Because it's really a really, really important question. Otherwise, you're running a race and you don't really know what the map is. That's right. And so, so, so think about that. And that's not something, you know, you could be doing it while you're driving, right? It's not something that you need to even write down yet because once you know it, you'll know it. I could tell you what mine are because I look at them every day, hmm. right? And so, so we're giving you the structures here, right? You've got the six box to-do list. You've got the, the you know, you've got a calendar. You've mm-hmm. got your areas of focus. So that, this predisposes you. You have the structures not to be distracted. And then it's really the second half of 18 minutes of the book. And there's a lot of different advice that I have about how to, how to manage yourself through the kinds of challenges that you end up facing because, you know, lots of things are going to come up. Mm-hmm. Urgent things are going to come up. People are going to come up. You know, the, the, your own opportunities mm-hmm. that are seductive are going to come up. And, and they're distractions in the moment, they're distractions existentially, they're, they're you know, any number of, of distractions. They could be distractions of things that are important to you, but mm-hmm. just aren't moving forward. And, and, you know, they themselves then become a distraction. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways of managing those. But what I would say is the most critical, like the, the, the right place to start is your six box to do list, your calendar mm-hmm. and your one minute interruptions, because that allows you to keep focus. And I guess one other thing I'll just say is, is um, ask, like, there should be a gut question. You know, so you talked about martial arts and jujitsu. It's funny that you say that because I actually studied jujitsu too. And nice. it's rare to find someone else who studied jujitsu. <laughs> um, like most everyone does karate. I did karate right. and judo and jujitsu, but jujitsu was the one that I really started. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in jujitsu or any martial art, Right. You have a gut reaction when someone punches you. You just you have body memory. Mm-hmm. Right. You just go into a defense. Right. You're not thinking you're not watching the punch. Going, OK, so let's see. The punch is coming <laughs> right. at so and so speed coming off towards the right cheek, you know, at this kind of an angle and probably the best block would maybe I'll spin around and I'll use his energy to move him forward. Or No, you see a punch and you just instinctively act. So what I would like is for all of us to have instinctive reactions. And in, in my book, Four Seconds, I talk about instinctive reactions. To, uh, that's a lot about distraction. Mm. I talk a lot about instinctive reactions when, when, when people come at you, you know, what's a, what's a, uh, you know, if someone's angry at you or they come at you aggressive, what's an instinctive reaction to deflect that? And so to give yourself some time to think. But I think in terms of what we're talking about and finding your focus and mastering distraction is I think here's an instinctive reaction, right? Mm. Anytime, Anything comes across your desk, anytime, any request comes at you, anything, 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 anything to do. Your instinctive gut deflection of a punch 
should be a question. And that mm. question should be, is this moving me forward in what's most important to me? Mm. Right? In, in, for organizations, does this move me forward in the big arrow? Does this move me forward in my key contribution to making the big arrow happen? You know, if, if we're just talking about the six boxes, does this move me forward in one of the five areas mm. of focus? And I would ask that. The second question I would ask is, is this the right time to do it? Mm. Does this yeah. move me forward? Am I the right person? Is this the right time? And if the answer to those questions are yes, then it's the right thing to do. If the answer to any of those questions are no, then certainly you don't do it right away. Hmm. You're not the right person, and you delegate it. If it's not the right time, you schedule it. If it doesn't move you in your area of focus, you don't do it. Wow. Those are such great takeaways. So not only that one, but this entire podcast, entire episode. I don't know about you, Peter, but to me, this is a great episode because you got so many different takeaways in here. And people who are listening, I really hope that you sit down here and you grab a book, you grab a pen, you grab a paper, whatever, and you take note of all the different things that Peter shared with us today because there are so many great takeaways. And if you put just a few of them in place, hell, put all of them in place. What, 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 do you, what am I saying? They're all so easy to do. If you put them in place, it's going to make sure that you have a stronger year, a more productive year. It's going to make sure that you're focused, that you're cutting out a lot of the distractions, and you're going to get the right things done. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I just quoted the, the subtitle of your book there. But anyways, that's 18 minutes. <laughs> Find your focus, master distraction, and get the right things done. Peter, my man, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of that, um, that great information with us, all that wisdom. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, how can they go ahead and get in touch with you or follow you along in terms of um, where you're going, what you're writing about, what you're doing? So the best way is to go to my website, which is peterbregman.com, P-E-T-E-R-B-R-E-G-M-A-N.com. Mm. And that has lots of articles and it kind of has what's going on here. And, my, you know, 18 minutes and, and four seconds are available. And and, uh, and stay tuned for my new book, which I'm very uh -huh. excited about calling, called Leading with Emotional Courage. I was just going to ask you about that. When's that coming out, by the way? July 22nd. Perfect. So, so that'll be out July 22nd. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can we get you back on the show then when that book comes out? I'd love it. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> My man, perfect. Well, Let's do it. Peter, we'll, we'll uh, definitely be in touch soon then. And uh, thank you so much again for making the time for us today. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Great pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. It's been a lot of fun. All right, there we have it. That's Peter Bregman. 18 minutes. Find your focus, master distraction, and get the right things done. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, get online, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, doesn't matter. Rate and review the show. Take a screen capture of it. Send it to podcast at ryancalajuri.com and I'll make sure you get entered into the draw every single quarter for a prize. All right, before we finish up this podcast, we'll end off on an inspirational note as we so often do on Cut the Crap Podcast. And this week, I want to talk about Failure. Everybody fails. You fail. I fail. People who are smarter than us, faster than us, richer than us, they all fail as well. Everybody on this planet fails. But the difference between people who are successful and people who sort of settle is the fact that they were able to use failure to their advantage. Failure wasn't something that was a setback for them. It was a setup for something greater. Yes, I failed. But guess what? I use that as motivation because I use that failure to teach me a little bit of something about myself. Right? I failed because why? Because I didn't have enough knowledge? Because I didn't have the right connections? Because I didn't know something? Or because I didn't communicate something clearly? Whether you failed in your career, within your relationship, with your family, uh, financially, athletically, it doesn't matter what it is. There's something there that you don't know, which is why you failed. So go get that book. Go get that counselor. Go find that mentor. Go have that conversation. Whatever it is that you need to do, to go from being a failure to being just a little bit more successful, right? Because when you fail, it's because you just didn't do something well enough. You didn't practice hard enough. You didn't read the right book. You didn't have the right resource. And so I like this week's inspirational piece because it focuses on individuals who have failed on a grand scale. Individuals like Michael Jordan, Peyton and Eli Manning, Serena Williams, Matt Ryan, JJ Watt, people who you might look at as icons, and yes, they're icons, but guess what? They also failed on a massive level, on a public stage even. But they didn't allow their failures to define them. They used their failures as motivation to drive them forward. I'm telling you, failure is tough, but failure can be a motivating piece for you if you are truly inspired by what you're going after. 
Right, again, I always reference this, but Seth Godin's dip. If you're going after something, you're gonna fail multiple times, right? Thomas Edison, how many times did he fail before he figured out the light bulb? When you fail, if you're truly going after something that you're absolutely passionate about, you're not gonna allow that failure to deter you. Now, if you fail and you give up very easily, then guess what? You probably weren't that passionate about it. But if you're truly passionate about what you're going after, I don't know what it is that you're going after, but if you're truly passionate about something and you fail, don't allow it to discourage you. Just know that there's other people out there who have failed just like you, but they came back harder. They course corrected. They learned more knowledge. They made a better connection. They learned from somebody who perhaps failed the same way as them, and they learned from their mistakes by talking to other people who have been there, done that. In any case, I fail all the time. Myself, I fail in sales. I fail in relationships. I fail in communication. I fail just as everybody else does. I am no nobody who's perfect. I make mistakes all the time. And in fact, I think I fail perhaps more than most people because I take more risks. You know, from a career perspective, that is. And so even from a fitness level, myself in January. January is usually a great month for people for fitness. They make the New Year's resolutions, but not for me. For me, this year wasn't that great. You know, January was a pretty poor month. I didn't eat very well. I didn't work out that hard. And to me, I looked at that and I felt like a failure this month. You know, you failed this month from a, from a fitness perspective, from a diet perspective. And then I talked to myself. I have this inner dialogue. You know, how do you feel? I don't feel great. How do you look? Well, I feel like I look better in December. What happens if you allow this to continue into February and March? As Jim Rohn says, you know, he famously coined, disaster colossal if you allow something to persist long enough in the negative space. So... We all fail, but what we do with it, that's what defines whether or not you succeed or whether or not you settle. And I really hope that you choose to succeed. In any case, I hope you enjoy this inspirational piece. Again, it comes from a Gatorade commercial, and uh, advertisements do have the ability to evoke emotion and to inspire, and this one definitely inspired me, and I hope it'll inspire you as well. In any case, I hope you have a fantastic week, a productive week. Take it easy, everyone. I love you guys. the secret to victory? Fail to make the varsity team. Start your career as a walk-on. Go 3-13 your rookie season. Lead the league in interceptions. Take a perfect team and blow a perfect season. Spend 108 years as a lovable loser. be on the wrong side of the biggest upset in your sport. You really want to know the secret to victory. And heartbreak for Matt Ryan, who is in utter disbelief. Defeat. Come on, one more. Set. Yeah! All right, again. Make defeat your fuel.